Hello, friends. Charles W. Chuck Bryan here on a Saturday. Well, it's really a Tuesday. Well, actually, it's a Thursday. But in your world, it's a Saturday. So let's just pretend it's Saturday. This episode, everybody, is about Moss. Is Moss boring? No, not at all. Moss is actually really cool. And if you listen to this episode from June 5th, 2012, you'll learn it for yourself. So check it out, everybody. How Moss Works. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, who now refuses to do the cheeks, everyone. So I can't vouch for how good the episodes will be from this point on. Cheeks are done. I don't care about them anymore. We'll see. Okay. I mean, if we start a nosedive, you're doing the cheeks again. Nope. I will see to it that you do the cheeks. Can't do it. We'll, we'll get, I will stand on your chest. Ben will grab one cheek. Jerry will grab the other. And the cheeks will be done. That, For people that don't know what we're talking about, this sounds like really gross. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows what we're talking about. Chuck does the little cheek pull to start off each episode. It's a little good luck charm. And now he's suddenly decided he's not going to do that anymore. So I have a new good luck charm. What is it? It's called not doing cheeks. It's not. It's a bad <laughs> luck. No. So, I've got a joke for you to open this one up. Do you really? And I made it up today. It's a made-up joke? Mm -hmm. All right, I want to hear it. Uh, what do you call a reproducing sphagnum? What? Randy Moss. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. No, no, no. That's that's into the realm of pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good I think if joke. I was a, a tour guide at a, like a nature, um, like Fernbank Science Center or something, <laughs> right? that would be my go-to yeah. for, for the kids. <laughs> That'd be a good one. To try and identify with them. I don't think the kids would like it as much as maybe the teacher. Yeah, that's true. The teacher would be like, that's pretty funny. And by the way, those brown knee-high socks you're wearing <laughs> are great. Right. Um, well, I'm going to give an intro in addition to the uh, joke. Sure. The intro joke. Maybe that should be your new good luck thing. You tell intro her. Jokes. You make a joke. <laughs> make up a joke for every. That would be Welcome Back, Cotter. Did they have a joke for everyone? Yeah. He introed every show by, or maybe it was outroed by telling a joke to his wife. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't picked up on that. I only saw like maybe two episodes of that show. Well, then you heard two jokes. Yeah. Plus all the other jokes. Was his wife one in the same with. Um, Bailey from WKRP. Didn't they look alike? Were they the same person? I don't know if they were the same person, but they definitely seemed the same. Gotcha. Like and they those, both wore glasses and had the feathered yeah, hair. Yeah, sort of long, feathered haired uh, 70s ladies. Yeah. I don't think they were the same, though. Yeah. But they were both probably on the love boat. Y yes. Yes. Within five years as like a way to revitalize their <laughs> career. That's right. Um, Chuck, I was going to talk about the Ice Age. The beginning of the Ice Age, okay. or of Ice Ages, glacial periods. Remember, right now we're in the midst of an interglacial period. Right. I want you to think back, way back, 470 million years ago. Okay. There was no such thing as a glacial period. And, by proxy, there was no such thing as an interglacial period. All we had was one hot, soupy, barren mess of land and ocean, and that was it. That's right. This is what's called the Ordovician period, or Ordovician period, depending on where you come from. Okay. Uh, and uh, 
the the beginning of this period is characterized by ice ages and um, paleo geologists. I guess you could just call them geologists, really, because nobody's studying like present stuff very much. It's mostly paleogeology, right? Sure. They were like, where did this ice age come from? Where, like, when did this start? And they figured out that what triggered this was the arrival of the very first basic land plants, e.g. mosses. That's right. And they recently figured out um, that mosses came about about 470 million years ago, and they triggered these ice ages by latching onto rocks. So these were a certain type of moss, as you and I know, called granite mosses. Yep. And they would actually leach materials from these rocks to use as nutrients and minerals, right? These are like weedies for moss, the early moss. Well, the moss started releasing stuff, uh, releasing, uh, no, sucking in carbon dioxide from the atmosphere enough to reduce the global temperature, mean temperature, by 8 degrees centigrade. Wow. Which led to the beginning of ice ages and the ice age periods that we know and love. You can thank moss yeah, for thank that. thank you, moss. You go outside, you find a little bit of moss, you grab a little piece of it gently, and then shake it, sand. Shake its little... Say thanks for the ice ages. Little baby stem. Yeah. Well, we needed ice ages. Yeah, that remains to be seen. No, it's all part of the big soup. We've had some... Who like, might have doubted it? We've had some chilly, windy weather lately, and it has been getting to me. Like, it's been... Like, just seeing the trees, like, getting whipped outside uh-huh. makes me feel chilly, and then in turn, I feel socially isolated and mad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really windy. Yeah. Crazy. So we're talking about moss. This is no joke. April is uh, over by now. We're in it right now, but by yeah. the time this comes out, this is no April Fool's joke. We're talking about moss and how it works. Yeah. Because it's part of our long parade of explaining absolutely everything in the known universe. That's right. And moss is... Moss is part of that. It's part of that. So let's talk about moss. Chuck. Well, moss is pretty fun and unique <laughs> in some ways, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because unlike most flowering plants and trees, or let me go ahead and say it, all flowering plants, plants mm-hmm. and trees, mm-hmm. um, they don't have roots like traditional root systems. Moss doesn't. No. Mosses don't. They do not. Um, they don't germinate from seeds. Pretty weird. No. And uh, they don't uh, gush water around through internal uh, systems, internal root vessels. systems. Yeah. Yeah. And that's weird. It is, especially if you're familiar with plants. Then you're like, well, then moss is strange. Exactly. For somebody, you know, an average bystander like me, I'm like, oh, okay, well, moss doesn't do that and plants do. It doesn't seem particularly weird to me. Oh, I think it's unique. But I do find it intriguing. It makes me want to know more about moss. Well, you got about 15,000 species if you want to talk about moss. Right. Uh, traditionally, you were probably going to think of moss as the the true moss, well, let's back up a little bit. Okay. They're related to, to liverwort and hornwort. Yeah. I've seen, uh, I saw other articles on moss, and everybody points that out for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure if they're like, I got to put 10 things in about moss. And <laughs> That's one I of got them. nine, so let's put that <laughs> right. in. Yeah. Uh, they are in the phylum uh, bryophyta. Yeah. And uh, they're in three groups. You got the granite mosses, the peat mosses, and true mosses. Um, true mosses are probably what we're going to think of when you think of the little green carpety like right. padding that like, you see everywhere, like on a fallen tree in a forest or something. Yeah, That's and there's true moss. Tons of true moss, like fourteen thousand species. Yeah, um, granite mosses are uh, blackish, small, 
grow in Arctic regions in the mountains. Yeah, grow on rocks. They're the most ancient moss, apparently. That's right. And there are uh, only about 100 species of that. And then the, the final uh, subgroup is the peat moss. Mm-hmm. Grows in bogs. If you've ever been in a bog, then you've probably seen some peat moss or sphagnum moss. Right. And that's the money moss because you can burn it and convert it to electricity yeah. and charge money for it. That's why sphagnum is the money moss. And oddly, well not oddly, but remarkably, moss, the sphagnum moss, do you use as a soil conditioner? We yeah. do that in our garden. Right. Because uh, some of it can hold 20 times its dry weight in water. It's pretty amazing. That's very amazing. That's some strong moss. Uh, you're going to find moss all over the place, including places where you won't find any other living plants, like the bottom of an Arctic or Antarctic lake. That is pretty impressive. Like the only multicellular plant growing down there is moss. Right. And it grows really slow. I think uh, as little as one centimeter per year, this aquatic moss at the bottom of these frozen lakes. Uh And uh, that is the slowest growing and longest living uh, freshwater plant ever recorded. I would guess so. It's kind of like um, putting somebody on ice, right? You're slowing down the cellular processes, but they're still active. So you could, by by in theory, extend their lifespan, right? That's right. Same thing with moss. Yeah, it's probably even easier with moss. Yeah, and by that same token, um, the zombie moss I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, Uh, you could dry some mosses out for 19 years without water. And if you add water to it, it'll, you know, resuscitate itself. It'll turn into a big dinosaur. (laughs) It's pretty cool, though. They can go dormant for that long. Yeah. It's amazing. And all mosses can go dormant. It's like one of their uh, defense mechanisms. They'll just turn brown and dry out. Yeah. And they're in a dormant state. Unfortunately, you can't really tell, like, what the difference is between dead and dormant until you add water and see if it comes back. Right. That's the only way to determine the length of a moss's dormancy. Oh, so if you add water and it just stays dead, then... It was dead. Oh, that's sad. Um, so you said there's like 15,000 species, and they kind of range in size and shape and texture, right? Sure. Color. Um, some of the, uh, I think the peat mosses grow different colors like uh, rose. Yeah, very pretty. Yeah, some grow black like the granite moss you said. Yeah. Some are silver, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then there's the smallest moss is the uh, ephemerum, which is uh, a half a millimeter tall. That's crazy. That's adult size. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Dawsonia, which is up to almost 30 inches, 70 centimeters in height, which that's a pretty wide variety. Yeah. Okay, so moss is fairly interesting so far. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the individual plants because when you look at um, moss and you think about moss, you're thinking of a carpet of plants. Yeah. Right? Those are actually like a bunch of little plants put together, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. That's that's one way to think of it. So when you're, when you're talking about moss, um, w- w- when you're talking about the individual parts or the individual plants, they're pretty simple. Yeah. They're pretty basic. You have um, something called the uh, gametophyte, 
which is the stem and the leaves, right? That's right. The leaves are generally arranged in a spiral pattern, mm -hmm. uh, and the leaves are usually um, a lance shaped with like a point, right? Yeah, that's where you're going to find your reproductive parts. Right. Um, at the bottom, there's rhizoids instead of roots. Remember, yeah. these are not roots, and um, so they don't anchor themselves to anything necessarily. They they well they anchor themselves to like maybe yeah. organic material or something, but it's not into the dirt. Right. Um, and they also don't they don't suck up water in the same way that roots do, but they do use rhizoids. A lot of it's kind of academic. The differences really between rhizoids and roots. Oh yeah, in my opinion, sure. I'm going to get some mail about that, but I think that they're very similar. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, the fact that it can grow on a rock kind of instead of soil kind of says it all. Excellent. Okay. So um, in the uh, gametophyte, uh, mm -hmm. you're going to have, like I said, your reproductive parts, uh, both male and female. Um, and then we'll mention this because it comes around later on when we talk about the reproduction. Uh, emerging from the top of the female gametophyte is the sporophyte and a thin stalk called a seta. And a little brown ball on top of that known as the um, capsule. Right. And then on top of that is the operculum, and it's like a little hat that the capsule wears. Right. Um, and that, that comes into play. Uh, well, let's talk about how it gets nutrients, then we'll talk about the dirty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the Randy Moss? Yeah, exactly. That was a pretty funny joke. No, it was silly. Okay, so um, a moss needs a few things to live. And one of those uh, is water. Of course. It's possibly one of the most uh, important ingredients because it aids in not just, um, the, uh, not just photosynthesis, sure. but also in reproduction, which we'll see. Yeah. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Boy, we've really built up this sexy moss thing. <laughs> it's not as interesting as we're making it sound. Yeah. There's no, like, riding crops involved or anything like that. No. Well, but there are parts. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, um, yeah, and I was surprised by the number of parts. I didn't realize they were that involved. I thought it was like, here's a spore. Yeah. You, uh, and go forth and reproduce. True. Um, anyway, with uh, with that water that moss needs, yeah. because moss, mosses need, like, pretty much across the board, one of their great characteristics is a moist environment, right? Yeah. Um, and they need this water, or they get this water, since they lack roots in a number of different ways. Some have very absorbent leaf surfaces mm -hmm. where you can pour a drop of water on a leaf and it goes, it's just gone. It's a pretty amazing thing to watch. Yeah, spongy. Sure. Um, and then another way is the rhizoids, which although they aren't roots, still manage to suck up water. And they do this through capillary action in the same way that like a paper towel, if you if you put a drop of paper a drop of water on your kitchen counter. Ask your mom first before doing this because <laughs> some moms will freak out on you if you do something like this. Right. Um, put a drop of water on your kitchen counter and uh, take a single thing of uh, paper towel, mm -hmm. set it next to it, just barely touching, mm -hmm. and the paper towel will go... Suck it up. It's amazing. It That's is. capillary action, and it's the result of the... Um, Adhesion, in this case, let's say with rhizomes, the adhesion of a water molecule to the rhizome. Rhizoid, yeah. Rhizoid is greater than the um, cohesion between that water molecule and all the other water molecules it's part of. Yeah. It's a quicker picker-upper. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so once you've got a little water in there, the water's going to be uh, moved between cells um, or transported through cells, depending on the moss. Yeah. And then you're going to get your photosynthesis, 
which is, you know, part of being a plant. Did you like this uh, analogy? I didn't find it apt necessarily. I just ignored it. Okay. So at the end of photosynthesis, <laughs> you're going to have uh, sugar and oxygen as a byproduct, releases the oxygen like a good little plant. Right. And um, eats the sugar, basically. Yeah. And, and says, give me more. Yes. Um, it, so it converts the sugar into energy to break down minerals, say that it's leached from rocks or a tree stump or whatever it's attached to, yeah. to grow and to reproduce. That's right. I think we're at the sexy moss <laughs> point. Uh, reproduction occurs can occur in a couple of ways. And the first way is um, for the reproduction to begin, we're going to have to get a vase-shaped um, <laughs> archegonia. It's getting all like a Giorgio O'Keefe painting in here. It is. Um, and that's going to produce the eggs. It develops at the tip of the gametophyte, which we talked about. Uh-huh. And then on the male side, you've got the antheridia, and that produces the sperm. Right. And the sperm swims through, basically, fertilizes the eggs, which is why they need to be moist, like you said. The sperm swims through nearby water. To get to the egg. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. It's almost like a fish. Yeah, but it's a sperm. That's right. So it's more like a tadpole. Yeah. I see what you mean. Um, And then the egg is fertilized. You're going to get a sporophyte. Um, We already talked about the sporophyte. That's the tall, thin stalk um, with the little... Op, uh, uh, op, <laughs> operculum at the top. Operculum's going to open up at a certain point. That's the hat. Yeah. Release yeah. The, the tip of the hat happens, <laughs> releases the spores, uh, which are basically like seeds, and uh, there you have it. Well, yes, and then the spore goes and germinates like a seed. This is what I'm saying. Rhizoid, mm-hmm. root, spore, seed. I mean, I know that there's some differences here, but they're not that great. <laughs> Anyway, the spore goes, lodges itself into a... Um, but it's different than every other plant. No, every I'm, other I'm millions of plants. Okay. I understand. I get it. I know that there are differences. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the difference between the two is not, like, a wow kind of thing for me. I got you. I wish it was. I understand. I'm not fighting it. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, the, the spore germinates into another plant yeah. and uh, and the whole thing happens again. That's Hopefully right. not with uh, any plant that it's related to, though. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> um, so the other way it can reproduce is asexually, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and basically, if you've got enough moisture and a piece of moss breaks off and floats downstream or gets caught up in the wind and it roots down in a nice moist place, mm-hmm. it'll reproduce, it'll just start growing again. Yeah. Pretty amazing, but it doesn't root. It rhizomes, rhizomes, rhizoids. What is the? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm confusing riboflavin <laughs> with uh, something else. Yeah, to get rhizomes. Um, okay, so we have healthy, sexually active moss everywhere, all over the place. Yep, we understand them. Um, I mean it. We understand them now. Like that's moss sure. right oh, yeah. there. Oh, we left out one interesting fact. I thought there's their leaves, the tiny little leaves, yeah. are so small. They're very rarely one cell thick. Yeah, that's tiny. Yeah, it's neat. It is neat. Um, okay, so now that we understand moss, if you have said, "I I like moss a lot. I've seen moss before. I want to bring more moss into my life. Mm-hmm. I happen to have a yard, so I'm going to introduce moss to it." We, we we now can say, 
yes, here's how you do it because we understand moss. And here is how you do it. Yeah, and I like I like the look of moss. Like to it's nice. go between plants or like in Japanese gardens, moss yeah. is like big. Yeah, crazy big. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to grow some moss, one thing you can do sometimes is just transplant it, like gently scrape it off that rock in a you know sort of like a big a chunk of like a carpet square as you can get, mm-hmm. and just throw it on the ground and water it. Water it. And sometimes that'll very do very important. It is, yeah. And, Not always. Um, if you if you put it in the right kind of place, mosses require low sunlight. Sure. Basically shade. In fact, if you have low sunlight and you have trouble growing grass, moss is a great alternative. It is, very yeah. much so. Um, it, you, so they want low sunlight or shade, um, and they also prefer low acidity, um, lower acidity than turf grass prefers. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have a patchy piece of, uh, piece, piece of yard, mm-hmm. Moss might grow there very well. So in just transplanting it like that could work, especially if you keep it watered. Yeah. You can also um, try propagating it using a pretty ingenious little method of um, taking a clump, a whole bunch of moss, Mm -hmm. um, throwing it in a blender with some buttermilk, and then taking that mixture with the paintbrush and painting it wherever you want. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Buttermilk, uh, it just must be the wonder thing for moss. Yeah, it's like it loves packed with uh, packed with nutrients. You also want to take care of your moss. Sure. Um, as as low maintenance as it seems, like there is some things you have to do, mm-hmm. like leaves, twigs, that kind of stuff. Since it's in a shady area, it's usually subject to those things falling on top of it, and yeah. that actually will um, burn it like acid. There won't be a lot of growth in that area of yeah. your moss. Sure. Uh, because the leaf is preventing it from doing its thing. Yeah, so you want to clean it off like you would your carpet. Yes, maybe with a very light broom, very light. Yeah. Uh, a um, leaf blower on a low setting. Which you hate. Yeah, I just don't like the noise. Yeah. But in this case, it makes sense. Sure. Unless you have a very light broom. <laughs> or you could just pick these things off individually. That's right. Uh, if it's got weeds, you don't want to yank the weeds out because yeah. that can yank up moss. So you don't want to do that. So you just want to like snip it. With scissors. And it's no wonder this is popular in Japan because they're always oh. more like tender and caring with their gardens. Anyone who has the patience for like bonsai and origami mm-hmm. and things like that when, will, will snip weeds with scissors. You, me, and I were in Kyoto and witnessed a man cutting the grass at a park yeah. with scissors. Yeah, my neighbor used to do that in my old house. Man. But his lawn looked awesome. Oh, bet. Yeah. Uh, I don't have time for that. And that's no why my yard does. looks like crap. No <laughs> one has time for that. Um. So, yeah, keep it well-fed, as in once a year, uh, aside from the water, you're going to want to, in mid-spring, get out your buttermilk again. So basically like right now or like last week. Yeah, true. Uh, get about a quarter butter, uh, buttermilk, mix it with a couple of gallons of water, and... Uh, spray it. Yep, spray it all over. And mist your moss. They love mist. They do. They drink it up. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, well, they use a capillary action to drink it up. <laughs> That's right. No roots involved. 
Uh, let's say you want to kill Moss. Yeah, I thought that this is very interesting in this article. It's like all pro-Moss, and then all of a sudden it takes a really dark turn it does. with the subject heading how to kill Moss. Well, some people don't want it, you know, like they don't want Ivy taking over their yard. They don't want Moss taking over their yard. That's true. Although they point out in the article it's not going to take over your lawn because it's not going to grow where your lawn would grow. Right. So lighten up. That's what right. I say. But if you're one of those people who are prone to slipping sure. on things, oh, yeah. you may not want that on your sidewalk. Um, you definitely don't want moss on your roof. No. That is a sign that you have a big problem if you have moss on your roof. Unless you are doing that on purpose. Like a green roof. Sure. Well, then you're not going to have the kind of roof that you have to worry about. <laughs> exactly. If you have a traditional shingled roof and you have moss, you need to do something about it for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it's... The presence of moss traps moisture. Moss is designed to do that mm -hmm. uh, if you're in an, into intelligent design theory. Um, and that means that it's going to foster things like fungus that will decay the wood beneath, meaning you'll have a hole in your roof. Yeah, at some point. Um, the rhizomes, right? Rhizoids. What is wrong with me? I don't know. The rhizoids also like to get in between shingles and loosen them. That's right. And what else? Uh, well, I mean, you don't want it on your roof, and so one thing you can do to kill it is use pesticides and, and chemicals. Not pesticide, I guess it would be a, uh... Well, herbicide. Yeah, they say pesticide in here. That wouldn't be right, though. No, it's an herbicide. Yeah. Um... Like Roundup. Sure. Which, if you're into spraying that kind of junk on your lawn, feel free. I advise not to. Yeah. But that's just how I play in my yard. The, what? So you don't use scissors, but you don't use pesticides, huh? No. Huh. Um, Do you just kick back and you're like, grow, baby? No, I take care <laughs> of things, but I just don't like I just don't like spraying chemicals all over the yard. What do you use as herbicides and pesticides? Uh, white vinegar. Mm. Yeah. Like as a spray? Mm-hmm. For what does that work for? Yeah, uh, anything. Like pesticide and herbicide, or oh, I don't know about pesticide, but herbicide, like it'll kill weeds and stuff. Really? Uh -huh. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, put it in the Hudson sprayer and gotcha. Um, or just live with it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it know? depends on the weed for yeah. sure. But if you have animals, you don't want to be spraying your yard with with chemicals. But yeah, even though they say like once it dries, it's fine. I don't buy that. I don't buy that either. Yeah. Um, but if you do want to get rid of it, um, they say the best way to get rid of it naturally is to, you know, make it a a not moss friendly environment. Mm -hmm. So like cut back some some uh shade uh cover. Mm -hmm. Maybe make it sunnier. That'll help get rid of the moss. Yeah. Just uh make it so it wouldn't want to live there if even if it could. Yeah, or scrape it off if it's like on a sidewalk or something. Yeah, that it's could like leave really spores easy. so it may come back. Don't be surprised. But yeah, just a sh flat shovel or a hoe will take care of moss usually too. That's right. Um, it says here zinc. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about this. Yeah, you zinc can put is a, a zinc deterrent. strip up on your roof, and it'll keep mosses away. Up on they there, hate that stuff. That's right. Um, and then the last moss fact of the podcast: if you're ever lost in the woods, you need to get your bearings. That's right. Start looking around and see what side of the trees and, um, well, pretty much a, an upright growing tree. What side moss is growing on? And you probably have found something like north. Yeah. Because moss is going to grow on the side that gets the least exposure to sunlight, which would be north. So just follow that, and you'll end up in Canada every time.
That's even if you start out shirt. in Australia. Yeah. Hey, Australia. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's moss, huh? You got anything else? No. I'm going to grow a little moss garden in my front yard. <laughs> Are you going to? Yeah. Well, I was going to zeroscape it anyway, so I might as well get some moss going. I wrote an article on that. Zeroscaping? Yeah, but the problem is, is this isn't zeroscaping because that's dry landscaping. This requires yeah, true. water, but it'd still be pretty low maintenance. Yeah, and my front yard doesn't get very much sun. Like, I failed miserably at trying to grow grass, so yeah. I'm just going to, like, mulch and moss and nice. put plants and stuff. I'd like to see that. Yeah, one day. Um, if you want to know more about moss, including seeing some very pretty pictures of moss, um, and to get to the bottom of the... Um, what Chuck and I decided was an inapt analogy f- between photosynthesis and cookie baking. <laughs> um, you can type in moss in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com and it'll bring this up and you will be very happy. And you should also be happy because I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this the nicest Irishman on earth. Wow. This guy was super nice. Okay. Uh... Josh, Chuck, and Jerry. Uh, my name is John Keating, and I'm writing from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I've been a reasonably long-time listener. I started listening to the show over a year ago when I started studying for my leaving cert, the Irish University Entry Exams. Mm-hmm. On a number of occasions during my exams, I was able to recall a topic you guys covered during the series, especially in English and history. Due to this, I feel I owe you a great deal of thanks, as I was accepted to the College of the Holy and Undivided Trinity of Queen Elizabeth near Dublin, better known as Trinity College. Nice. And it's Go Thunderbolts, in case you're curious. Nice. Uh, During the year uh, in Trinity, it was announced that a fraternity is to be established within the college. In Ireland, as well as in the UK, society and clubs uh, take up the role of frats uh, that frats have in the US. However, one exception is normally these clubs, societies do not have particular house associated with them. Okay. Like we do here. Right. Uh, This house concept is something I'll have to deal with in the near future as I shall be staying in the Beta Theta Pi branch of the University of Toronto while I'm in the city in search of work this summer. Uh, On this side of the Atlantic, the frat concept is mainly centered around uh, their depiction in such movies as Animal House Mm -hmm. or how the Winklevoss twins were portrayed in the social network. Sure. Did you see those guys that are in a commercial for like pistachios? Mm-hmm. I did. Oh, my God. It's awful. Hey, man. They got to make that dollar some way, huh? Yeah, the multi-million dollar payout wasn't enough. Right. Yeah. Well, um, they were wealthy already. Yeah, exactly. They seem like nice enough guys. Oh, they seem like great guys. Um, in such, we see them as being an alcohol-fueled rich boys club. Yes, except uh, for the uh, College of Pharmacies fraternity. What are they like? It's a pill-fueled oh. club. <laughs> Um, I know that both of you weren't associated with the frat when you were in college, so maybe I'm right on the button there. Uh, Also, I'm curious as to why the idea hasn't successfully been exported to Ireland and the UK and further afield. Hmm. And what exactly is the association with the Greek alphabet, and why did they develop in the U.S. in the first place? So he wants us to do a a podcast on frat. Oh, I thought he wanted us to answer now. No, no, no. As this email has already exceeded the limit, I felt it would, so I shall end it. On this note, I just want to further emphasize my gratitude and respect I have for the SYSK team. That is so nice. And all the individuals involved in How Stuff Works. Here's hoping for a successful venture on a TV. Best of luck and slan. Must be an Irish thing. S-L-A-N. 
Ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Is it like an acronym for something? or No, it just says Best of Luck in Slan. Hmm. So we'll probably hear about that. And that is from John Keating. Thank you, John. That is very nice of you. That was a very nice email, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Do you want to do frats? Yeah, I think we should at some point. We're, well, I guess we have to explain everything. If we did moss, we have to do frats, right? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. What should we call for, Chuck? I don't believe anybody could possibly have a moss story, which makes me want to hear one. Well, that means people go, oh, boy, you didn't think you'd get a moss story. Listen to this. Okay, so we might as well ask for it. I once laid so still for a year, I had moss growing on my side. That'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. And then there's the tree man, who I think some people call the moss man. I don't think I know him. Oh, you do. He, there's a video on how stuff works of this man who has like some sort of HPV, and like he's growing like, like bark. bark-like skin. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Wow. I think he's called the tree man, though. It's not the moss man, is it? I don't know. It's sad. So we've already heard about that guy. Don't send us any links to that video. Seen it. But if you do have an interesting moss story, we want to hear it. Not only that, if it's interesting enough, we'll promote it on the show via listener mail. You can tweet at least the first 140 characters of your moss story to us at SYSK Podcast. You can post a bunch of it on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash stuffyoushouldknow. Or you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.